decoded. Welcome to Founder Tech Decoded Series 2. I'm delighted today to have Neil Dillon from Swoop. In Series 2, we're talking to key players in the early stage venture space they're helping innovate and change the way startups can access capital and grow quickly. Swoop have been a player in this space for at least two years, um, setting up in 2018, but um, for the last two years have been offering very, very innovative and diverse solutions for founders wishing to access capital in different ways. So I thought it'd be a great idea to talk to Neil because of the different products the Swoop offer and different perspectives within those products to get his perspective on the founder tech assumption that not only are the platforms changing around the founder tech space, but so is venture. Neil, welcome to the podcast. Um, it would be great as as we start with everyone to kind of obviously just uh, do a little intro to Swoop, but particularly if you can kind of talk about the source code when you started, what were the assumptions in that kind of source code in the, the assumptions in the venture space that you thought actually we can do this better and there's, there's scope for change here? Uh, hi, Dan. Yeah, happy to be here. Um, so the assumptions that we have at Swoop are that the funding landscape for early stage businesses is just really hard to navigate and founders out there don't really know all the different types of funding and um, that are available to them whether it be across equity debt grants or actually just making savings so that their money goes further and um, they're, they're the main assumptions yes founders have all heard of venture capital and they they might read about it in different articles and the really big companies that we now know like Deliveroo and Airbnb and where they got their money but uh, not all uh, startups get access to that funding so we try and fill the gap there. Why do you think there still is um, with all the sort of literature and podcasts around startups there's so many founders coming into it don't have a relatively relative sophisticated a sophisticated uh, perspective on kind of the funding options why do you think that still is the case when there is so much information out there yeah th there is quite a bit of information but i'm not sure it's exactly focused on the very early stage it's more focused now in um in lots of publications they say early stage but that can mean different things to different people when i speak about early stage i'm thinking pre-seed no one's probably ever heard of this company unless i've got a little bit of traction and um, whereas they might say oh yes look at this uh investor or case study from an early stage business but really that could be series a series b businesses and there is there is literature out there and, and articles written about those early stage but but not as much and they're not in the public eye and um, as much as you might think uh, i think actually you you mentioned in one of your previous podcasts um it was it was one of the guys writing a newsletter and um yeah martin brian precede now yeah yes precede now no, no, that's a really good example and there he's he's making a name for himself and doing very well but that newsletter wouldn't be really widely uh, read by all the founders and hopefully it will be soon um but you know it's those it's those people that are really bringing it to the fore and and, and talking about it but other than that in the mainstream media very hard to find uh, information or stats on those earlier stage businesses because realistically a lot of them fail so they're they're not written about 
but there's probably loads of learnings that you get from those businesses that, that didn't make it in the end. So you, you've jumped into one of the kind of main themes here in the pre-seed space. Let's just let's just agree the terms. We talk about pre-seed and seed as anything under a million. Can we can we agree on that for the conversation or do you have a different definition? Yeah, I, that's fine. You can also be seed and, and only be looking for half a million. But yeah, I, I'll agree on, on that premise. No so, OK, great. Just, just for the sake of the conversation, um, what what tends to happen and one of the key drivers of the innovation which you touched on is that if you are a pre-revenue business then then the metrics of product and product market fit don't don't give an investor any way of really evaluating that business so you get through this sort of you know this circle of the investor trying to get glean enough information through the pitch deck or financials that really are based on just pure assumptions. Um, to me, I, um, I spoke to Jonathan Sun from Horizon yesterday. He was talking about, the, you know, this common thing of, oh, it's too early. It's too early. And he was saying, you know, investors can't have their cake and eat it where, you know, if there are early stage investors, you have to accept that the risk is that you're probably going to be pre-revenue. You can't then hold that over the startup's head for not, you know, not having the revenue or the metrics that you that, that you that need to do risk the investment what what's your view on that and how, and i'm assuming that's one of the drivers of what you do is to kind of correct that that kind of paradox um in in the space yeah it's a classic problem that we have and we do really try and correct that obviously we have the frustrations even swoop and we work with these investors and know them very well they might come back and say just that um what you said you know they are they don't have enough traction uh, where's the revenue where's the kpis and we're looking at them saying, well, on your website, you saying you invest in truly early stage businesses. And um, we actually collect quite a lot of data from our investors. And some of them might even, you know, fill in and say, we invest in pre-seed businesses. Um, but then the, the issue happens and they ask for that revenue. Now, you, sh you, you have to touch on other key points to, to make your point. And um, in, in the pitch deck, there are lots of those key ingredients. And sometimes you just can't really show that traction. So that traction will take different forms. It might be market research or some sort of experiments that you did in the market to prove that there is a market for it. And then you might just have other strengths that your team might be so strong. You It might be a problem that is truly a problem that the investor can recognize. You've maybe built an MVP that's really effective. All these things help to overcome that problem, but it is still a factor every day when we work for founders. There are some that we just know we will get rebuttals or uh, investors saying, I'm sorry, but we just we can't um, move forward on this because it doesn't have enough traction. We don't have the silver bullet answer to it. Uh, we just have to put the founders best foot forward um, as best we can to overcome um, that shortfall in the, the traction or the revenue that they don't have. So, so one of the things that again comes up that, that may help with that, and I'd be very interested on in your view, is that investors increasingly are going to have to move towards pre-revenue um, businesses because the wealth of the real opportunities are going to start there because there's less B2B, SaaS, e-commerce um, marketplace plays in the pitch decks, in their funnel that, 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 that are of any quality because a lot of that low-hanging fruit over the last decade has been taken. So actually, you're going to have the, the real art's going to be getting in early and backing early and being comfortable with the, that space. Well, 
we think that's actually one of the drivers of this space, the founder tech space, that, that there, there is this problem in the funnel, there's a signal to noise problem in the funnel that's crept in. And it's crept in as well because of things like, you know, Canva, you can knock up a pitch deck very quickly, um, or no code, low code, you can knock up an MVP. So it's hard to differentiate on those things. What, what, what Have you experienced that with the investors, because you're talking to so many investors, where they do have that problem and therefore they're coming to you say, hey, I know I have to come in earlier, help me with that. Yeah, we definitely have. And um, while we have a vast network of investors, there are more who, other, some of them are more engaged than others. Uh, that's the fact that they know, okay, they're not the sequoias of this world or the local lobes, and they don't have the re reputation to fall back on and say, oh, don't worry, the, all these startups are going to come to us. Um, these other more uh, involved, early stage SEIS investors, um, they, they'll come to us and saying, listen, we know not everyone's going to have this traction. And if they did, then everyone would have heard of them. And that's why we're coming to you, because we know that you're going to sift through it for quality. You're already, we have a chat with each founder before we ever take them on as a client to make sure that um, we, we get a feel for the founder. We know that they can in, impress an investor. And actually, are they uh, the right founder fit for what they're doing? And, and does that make sense? Uh, but yes, we, we do we do get funders coming in at that earlier stage. And because they, they're taking a different approach, whereas the Sequoias of this world, they know, okay, we have a reputation, the best ones will come to us. Where, say, a few ventures who are doing really great work in the space, they might say, we're going to make 20 investments and yes we know some of them are not going to be great because we're going in early they don't have that traction that proves out the the market but we're going to as best we can and um, look for the things that we we like in a team or we like in a, a market and take that punt and and hopefully some of them come good uh, it's just a different way of doing it and both approaches are so far proven to be equally as good um so yeah that, that's just kind of a, a trend in the market that people making more bets on, on different startups and, and hoping that some of them come good rather than just trying to find specific ones that meet their KPI traction requirements. Could you give us maybe one or two examples, um, you know, in the last couple of quarters of, of very early stage opportunities that you've really enjoyed to see get over the line and how they got over the line without re revealing anything confidential, obviously. Is there, any, is there a couple that you go, actually, that, you know, it was a super interesting space. The founder was great. It was actually their team or, like you said, the research. Do you have a couple of those that, that, that you could share? Yeah, well, well just one recently. Um, they are in the NFT space. Obviously, it's a it's a pretty noisy space at the moment. You're truly really yeah. trying to make them um, figure out what's just uh, you know a shot in the dark. Oh, we could use NFTs for this, this, and this. Really looking for ones that um, NFTs are core to their business and add a lot of value. They're not just a, an extra additional nice to have. Um, so some of them come across our applied to, to swoop and yeah. and we've, we've we've taken on a few of them now an example yeah if they've founders with track records and and when i say track record records it doesn't have to be that they had a great exit and they've completely um you know proven that they are great founders and they know how to bring a business to the top and exit and fantastic all success stories actually this founder he was with the business for four years it was a decent business but then COVID hit it wasn't a, a fairy tale story, but it did prove that he was resourceful, that he really knew what he was doing. He had contacts. He has now met 
founders. He's actually on, um, without giving too much away, but he's on the Entrepreneur First um, program. Right. So all these things really uh, accumulate to, to help the investor take that leap of faith with the founder. Um, and we've managed to get them uh, speaking to to quite a few investors at the moment and hopefully getting some term sheets uh, soon in the next few weeks. So it, I think that's, it's, it's, it's super interesting, the, the intangibles that you mentioned, because I think, again, it's like their, their, their network and, and their influence within their communities and, and that, that being actually evident through their actual behaviours, not just sort of, you know, saying they know people, but actually being, it might just be one or two people who are very influential in the space that they can reach out to. That's a really good indicator, you know, not just reach out with an email, but someone who actually take their call, help them make introductions. I think the analysis of the founders network early on, I think is increasingly going to be a real differentiator, which is, is what I hear you saying. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I I just did a, a talk earlier, and and the the thing that people wanted to understand was what I meant by resourcefulness. And if a founder can prove that they are truly resourceful, it is invaluable because they they're showing commitment because they're saying I'm I'm in this. I'm going to put in that extra effort, and um, and it's not just saying I want some capital, and I know that's the easiest way to grow. They're, while they're waiting for that capital and that hopefully that they get, they've made every effort to grow the business, show some traction, get an MVP going, make those connections so that it paves the way in the future to, to make that um, uh, their journey a bit easier. Um, yeah, it's, and it's just it's really great for investors to see they can really get on board when they've seen that hard work has been put in before it's just been uh, before they've seen the pitch deck. What's your view on um, championing or celebrating founders who are initially using no-code, low-code solutions to just demonstrate, you know, as part of this mix that we're talking about, that actually a founder that can do something with five grand, super smart, plugs into that network, achieves a really important outcome. Um, like we said, it might not be a firework outcome that you could kind of brought, but it's actually, if you understand, it's very sophisticated and it shows that they are really embedded in their space. What's your view on that when founders come to you and they say, sometimes they might say, hey, you know, I need 200 grand. And you go, no, 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 you know, no, you don't need 200 grand. You need five grand or 10 grand. Do you have those, are those starting to happen as well, those types of conversations? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I actually just got a question today going, where can I find, find a, a CTO or a technical founder so I can get uh, building something? And, and while in the long run, you will need, not necessarily a technical founder, but you will need um, someone who is technical if it's um, a tech business. But you can get started without it. And I'm a generalist myself and I'm, I'm not too technical. Um, but showing that you can delve uh, deeper and, and it's back to kind of that resourcefulness of just getting started with what's out there and knowing um, what's available to you in the market. And this no, no code. Um, these no-code uh, applications, some of them actually are startups that we've helped, are just invaluable and they're just an extra tool that founders can use um, because you just need to test these things out. And there's so many new startups in the market. There's so many new markets. And with NFTs, with blockchain, all the Web3 things, um, we don't know what works yet. But if you can, at a minimal cost, test the waters using those um, resources, well, then more power to you. And it shows that you know you're being smart with that with the money you have yeah we have those conversations quite often
that that that's super interesting. Do you think do you think we're at the point where it's it's just quite a shift, but where we actually start to like I say, hero or celebrate that founder and actually say, look what they achieved, almost for the least amount of capital possible uh, in the in the shortest amount of time. Do you think we are there yet, or we're still a slight one iteration away from that? Probably a little bit away, I would say, because I trying to think, and I can only think of one founder that pops into my mind um, that that has done that. Everyone's still maybe still thinking, I need that technical person. I need an app being built. Uh, we're a bit further away, but it's. I always say we should be championing the the, the founder who bootstraps their business. Um, so it's it's quite similar in that way, uh, and I think we'll get there. Yeah, I do too, and I don't think we're there yet. I guess it's part of the reason of having these conversations is to try and stimulate that because I think it makes it a much more interesting place when anyone who is vested in that problem has that resourcefulness can actually attack it quickly with very little capital needed. I think that's much better for everyone, and it's a much more diverse and rich place place to start. Um, one of the things I'd be interested in before we kind of move to you know specific Swoop products. Um, tech is all about sort of disruption and you know mm. agile iterating things and it's the very nature of it right they, 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 it does that why do you think we're still st stuck in this kind of legacy of really inefficient things but for example i was doing founder the other day and he was trying he was onboarding a uh, head of brand partnerships and he said yeah he's a sophisticated founder he was saying he still lacks the sophistication to know exactly the right questions and the kpis for onboarding that kind of caliber of person. And he's hired a few people. He said he still is sort of still dumbed down the pub over over a beer, which is all fine, obviously. And then he was sort of saying the other side of it, like as he grows his team, he still finds it really unsophisticated identifying the skills that he may need, you know, like to the going forward. But why do you think we're still stuck with these very sort of legacy kind of like like badly framed kind of frameworks? Yeah, well it's probably an age-old question that you could write essays about and you know why is financial services done this way and not this way um, and I think it's because lots of things are built almost retrospectively um, yeah. especially when you get embedded in one way and a new technology comes it, it may be the better way to do it but getting everyone to be a, adopt this new way is quite tough and of course you're gonna have early adopters but um, it just doesn't happen people some people just like the way things work and and often there's a power dynamic as well with okay well i the market is set up around me i'm the investor and uh i've got the money so I, i'm i'm liking how it works now and i don't you're not going to force me into the new era of um using all the new technology to to find the best founders i, I like going to the pub and, and meeting them for a drink so it's trying to get the balance because it is you don't want to say that no, this is definitely the best way, but we we should be using tech um, and and certain tools to to least um, point us in the right direction, and that, and that's what we do at Swoop. And I uh, I, I know we said we we're going to get onto Swoop, but it's we use a combination of tech, which is using a, a nice algorithm, and it's it's a it's a fairly sophisticated algorithm, but obviously we want it to get better. We want to start using AI. We want to see, start using machine learning so that we can match founders and, and investors based on historical data that we have. Um, but right now we, we do it. We have an algorithm that shows us the right investors for the founder that has come into us. But then we also have the human side as well. So we've got funding managers who go, okay, here's my list that the matching has shown up. And 
this is, uh, but but still they might take one or two off that list because they had a call with that investor last week and they know that they're got their head down raising their next fund or they um they they just know oh listen that they say they like that but they really don't like that uh, these kind of human things or we add an extra few uh, funds that we should reach out to because um because we know it for the same reasons like we we talk to them so it's right about getting that combination right yeah. Why is there the legacy still in an industry that is champions technology to enable new change mm. quite very quickly has no problem, you know, take taking taxis from 300 years into the into the age of kind of, you know, ride hailing. Why is yeah. it still stuck? Like, like what, what, what? And, I, and I, I think you did address a lot of it, but I, but I think there is more there. Mm. Yeah, I, I think to be fair, some funds are doing it and some that we work with. Um, and it's fantastic to work with them. And I think we've got a lot of ideas with how we see the future of um, the funding landscape and, and where funds um, or investors and founders can be connected in a much more succinct way rather than um, a lot of the time in within Swoop where we end up in the middleman trying to connect them in certain ways. But ideally, we'd love to do 90% of it uh, driven by tech. And, and we're, we're actually still hoping it does happen. But why it's slow, I think it's the power dynamic between an old school venture capital fund who just is stuck, a little bit stuck in their ways and they think our reputation will get us through. We don't need all these pieces of tech telling us what to do. But having said that, to be on a more positive note, there definitely are some funds in the space that are using these uh, bits of tech or, or using the tools to help them make better decisions. And, and we're working with them and we're quite excited about it. That, I mean, I, I want to get onto your specific pro um, products and offerings in one sec. I just want to ask one more question and kind of slightly builds on that and maybe, maybe closes, closes this, that, 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 that aspect of the conversation is that, do you think the asymmetries, you talk about power dynamics, of, you know, it's, it's the same, I, I call them asymmetries, but they're obviously the same thing between the founder and investor, where the founder is sort of, you know, on the seesaw, you know, on the left-hand side and the investor's up, you know, elevated. Do you think, now, it was, it was something you said earlier I want to bring back into this question because it is still a people business, right? And it is still, the, the, you will never eradicate the judgment and kind of instinct and, and learning and all of those things. So the investor does have those advantages because they, they see a lot more, there is an asymmetry there and that they've obviously seen a lot more founders than the founder has seen investors. But do you think there is any other value in that asymmetry or that, that that's something that needs to go, you know, like the, 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 not stripping out the, like I said, the instinct, the inside, the, 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 the gut feel, the, the down the pub, the, you know, the, there's a lot of information there. But do you think other than that, it should go and it should be much more level? Yeah, I, I think so, um, because it's, it's a tough one for some founders to swallow. You get, you get founders that come with 10, 20 years experience in their industry. And they might go to an investor who's could be considerably younger than them, and they say, "Oh no, your business isn't going to work for for this reason." Right. And there's not and there's not much that the founder can do. They just need to move on and uh, try find an investor that does understand their vision. And um, but I I would hope those power dynamics do do change and improve. And um, a lot of what happens, at least in London, um, and I would imagine so in Silicon Valley, it's quite similar. There are communities, there's WhatsApp groups, Telegram groups of different investors. And a lot of it is just 
what's cool, what are people saying, what are the trends people are talking about within those WhatsApp and, and Telegram groups. But that's not readily available information to a founder or to the market. But if we had a platform that everyone was meeting on them and, okay, yes, there's going to be an investor side of that platform and a founder side of that platform, and maybe the information won't always be the exact same. But at least if there was some sort of... Um, uniformity and you could see okay there's some information coming about this founder and there seems to be three investors who are interested in that that is using the same techniques that people that they use in social media creating that fear of missing out that you know crowd that makes crowdfunding yeah. such a, a a popular um a popular way of funding these days i i just think that's better letting it more in the open more transparency of of why some invest um some startups get more interest than others and 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 a founder might never know why they never got that interest but actually one gets all the interest because it got mentioned in a uh at the pub with all the investors meeting or on a whatsapp and you know the rest is history they were successful the other one wasn't i think a little bit more transparency would really help the market totally agree um okay well as we as we start to close the conversation do you want to talk about two or three of these three products offerings that that you know that you that you'd like to share and kind of you know illustrate that that would be great to understand so i know you've got a few so two or three would be great yeah no no problem um obviously i want to talk about and um, the equity funding offering we help investors or founders and investors come together so like I said, we've been doing a lot of um, data capturing from the funds that we've worked with over the years. Uh, we're really trying to get clean, accurate data that helps our matching algorithm so that when an investor sees a, a, a deal from Swoop, they know, okay, that is a good quality deal that's been vetted by Swoop and they've had a chat with the founder as well and that pitch deck is gonna be um, looking good. So that helps on the investor side. And then on the founder side, we come in, it costs you nothing to just put in your uh, pitch deck, our team reviews it, and then we can at least point you in the right direction, whether we take you on as a client or not, we definitely can introduce you to the right people or give you a few tips on how to get investor ready uh, um, you know, quickly and make sure you get in front of the right investors. So that's kind of our, our equity offering in a nutshell. But one of the main things that we do at Swoop, and I, I think Mike, um, what makes us unique is that we cover the whole of market. So when a, um, a business comes to us, the first thing we, we ask them, we go, really, do, do you need this equity investment? Have you considered some other options? Have you considered winning a grant? Have you considered, uh, you've done a lot of research and development, why don't you uh, do an R&D tax claim? Uh, all those things are, are really important, but also um, people think about debt and they think, well, I'm a, I'm a new business. Of course, they're not gonna consider me for debt. But actually, that, that's not the case. There's lots of different um, debt options out there available to you that consider businesses that are less than six months old that aren't profitable, like asset finance. If you've got some asset um, available to, uh, to put up as collateral, there's invoice financing. So you get that one invoice from Ocado. Away you go. You can actually get uh, an advance on that. There's also startup loans. You can get 25K per um, director. And, and all these things just help to get your business going without giving a huge chunk of your business um, away before you even get started. So that's one of our key differentiators is that when you come to Swoop, you'll have a dashboard and you can just 
pick and choose and see what you've been matched to and then decide, okay, well, actually, maybe debt is an option for me, or maybe it's actually a combination of all three. Maybe I need some revenue-based financing. Maybe I only need to uh, get 150 SEIS rather than the 500K I was looking for, and I'm going to apply for this grant. So that, that's one of the main things I want to get across. And, and what's that like when you show a founder, you know, you like you said, let's use your example, the, you've got an Ocado invoice, you can raise capital of that. I, I'm imagining many, are, and like you said, you can they say, we can raise less money and you can use, you know, access that capital from that resource. I I imagine most of them think that's magic, right? They, 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 they have no idea that that's possible. It must be an amazing conversation when you say to them, hey, there's, there's exactly as you've done and kind of analyze their situation and go, actually, there's 60 grand of capital that you could free up very quickly that must be a, a lovely conversation yeah it's incredibly rewarding when that happens and we can spot um a little gap that they haven't seen and um, invoice financing honestly you use the right word it does seem like magic they're like oh i just really didn't know about that but actually explaining invoice financing is one of the easiest um forms of debt to explain you say i have an invoice from okada who are going to pay me this much if i fulfill it but uh, I don't have the money to fulfill that. Yes, we'll advance you the money, and once you fulfill it and get paid by Ocado, we pay it back to you. How simple is that to explain? Now, people just don't know about it. I actually heard yesterday from uh, a colleague working in Australia um, that 5% of the of the market, or the SME market, are using invoice financing in Australia. That Now, that to me is crazy. That's a huge amount. We think yeah. it could happen the same in, in the UK. Um, invoice financing is just one example. There's about 10 to 15 different types of investment that a startup could get that they probably didn't know about. So if you connect those dots back to your kind of resourcefulness and resilience, right, what you could, those dots will connect because if you've got a really resourceful sort of embedded founder and they are able to generate an invoice because they are, you know, even you know, just an initial one with an initial client, that founder is already out the gate. Really, isn't they? Because they because they've managed to do something and generate re- revenue, which they can then access capital off, and all of that indicates that that founder is, you know, very credible, or at least initially credible. And and, and mm. suddenly there's information for the investors to go, wow, that was really because from an investor's point of view, when they hear that story, they must go, well, that's super impressive, right? That that's really impressive. Now I've got a lot more confidence that those dots connect, right? Yeah, yeah, completely. It shows that they're savvy. They they are financially um, literate and they they know how to manage money. And then again, back to that resourcefulness. The combination of the two is pretty powerful for an investor. So I, I now have to sort of swoop as this magic moment, like where you come in and you just sort of the uh, the, the scales drop in the founder's eyes and they suddenly think, wow. And I've seen this done with R and D because um, um, you know it's very forward thinking in many ways. The R and D um, the tax credits. And I was actually years ago I met one of the pioneers of it. who was just a solo operator. And now he's got a team of like thirty people. You probably know him. I won't mention his name. And he was sort of sitting in a members club explaining this to me. And I remember having this moment where he said, look, I can get you twenty, thirty grand probably within three weeks. And you're like. Really? Like you're looking around, kind of like, oh, is this a setup? And sure enough, he did it. And you kind of, like, I rang him up. Obviously, when this is absolutely unbelievable. It was really, you know, it was five, six years ago when that was really valuable. And there is a magic. Maybe that's the swoop moment, right? When you come in and you show them uh, all these other options. But there is a magic to that. Um, that kind of decouples. Oh, I have to raise investment. And I think it's a similar decoupling of. Oh, I have to build an MVP for three hundred grand. Well, no, you don't. You could do that for five grand and and be valued for that. That's all really liberating. I think to use an overused word, but you know, you know what I'm saying. 
Yeah. That, that, that's all. I think that's really empowering for the space. It really helps with that agility and that flu- fluidity, increasing all that. Uh, all of that just massively helps. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I'll, I'll do you one better. Uh, sometimes when you get that R&D uh, tax claim, there's a backlog and you might not get it for eight months. You can also get an advancement loan on the tax credit that you've just received from HMRC. So there's always different solutions. It's just right. another example. Um, and while we do have um, really nice technology here at Swoop, there's always brokers and funding managers behind the scenes saying, oh, well, the tech has spotted that, or but maybe I've spotted something more. And there's you know there's always smart things you can do um to try and help your business so i'm assuming um because i'm going to put obviously the uh the links to swoop but also your linkedin people can connect with you on linkedin and then you can direct them to the relevant broker because i'm certain people will listen to this going (laughs) i want that bit of that magic so i'm assuming that's okay that people can reach you like that yeah, that'd be fantastic. Just reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm fairly good at it. Uh, if I'm one or two days behind, um, <laughs> leave me off, but I try and get it around to it uh, at least once a week uh, and get back to people. We'll definitely do that. I, I just And just to close, absolutely, we, I definitely could talk about this kind of magic moment and uh, it's really super interesting and in how all those dots connect. But um, what are the APIs? We always finish on the APIs on the the Fanatec Decoding podcast of, of, of what are you, it could be listening to, watching, reading, someone that you met, an article you wrote, an article you read, two or three things that kind of on your radar is like informing your thinking, particularly around the kind of some of these themes would be great. Um, I, This might, I think everyone has obviously heard of Sifted, but I, I really like it. Um, I pay my membership to them because they're nice, easy uh, articles to read every morning and they keep me up to date with the market. So if you want to hear what the trends are now, by the way, I did talk about bias towards kind of bigger deals sometimes in um, in articles and, and by the media. And, and that might this might be an example of it. Sifted probably picked the biggest deals, but they also have really interesting articles talking to early stage founders as well. So they've got so much content coming out, which I, I really love. Another one I'll mention is um, it's, it's how I really got into the technical stuff and trying to think of um, how angel investors think. And it's called the full ratchet. Um, it's an American-based one, but lots of the same rules and ideas ring, th- ring true. Um, and it's a podcast. So the first 20 episodes, very technical, but uh, it's really good because they just talk to some of the best um, angel investors and, and venture capital investors in America. Uh, so it's definitely worth checking out. Well, that's brilliant. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up there. They're absolutely fascinating. And, and, and as ever, just kind of another iteration of similar themes coming up, people thinking about the same things. So, um, and, and I think, you know, what you're doing is in, in, in really enabling a founder to kind of, you're increasing that optionality around their, the capital that they need. And, and, and I think that's just a massive part um, the founder tech space and ideas. So, Thanks so much for taking the time to kind of share your ideas. Um, obviously, I'll put all those links in the show notes for people. Um, but uh, really, real pleasure talking to you, Neil. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, really appreciate it, Dan. Um, and hopefully speak to you soon.